Amen. Well, today is Senior Pastor Appreciation Day. It's very exciting. This whole month is Pastor Appreciation Month. And, you know, I think two weeks ago was International Pastor's Appreciation Day. But really, the day doesn't matter as much as what we're uh, celebrating, what we're signifying. And that's what we're doing today. We're doing it because we love Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal so much. We appreciate their impact. So we have a little video. Hey everybody, so um, we started going to FBC in 2011 or 12 and it was the best decision ever for our family and we just thank God for you guys and it was a great church and has been a tough act to follow since we've moved to everywhere we've gone to. It was just the perfect place for me to be placed in. God knew the perfect place for me to be placed at because the guys were, everyone was so welcoming and Pastor Matt was just like a, a big brother. You know, he was like more of a, uh, you know, he, he didn't fit the description as of a normal pastor. You know, he was just a cool guy that loved the Lord and wanted to bring you to Jesus and was so genuine with that. So I thank God so much that I was placed in the hands of such a great spiritual leader and spiritual guidance and Pastor Matt, you are responsible for bringing not only me, but my family back to God. (laughs) You were the one that inspired me to not only keep going. I attended your church. Uh, I heard the way you preached and you brought it, man. You brought the real. You always stayed 100. And that's what kept me grounded and kept me on the road to being a better me and a better man. So I appreciate you. I appreciate Miss Cindy for producing you. I appreciate uh, Pastor Crystal, uh, Gabe, and Faith as well, because it was such a remarkable thing, man, for you guys to uh, and changed our lives forever. So we thank you so much, guys, and happy Pastor Appreciation Week. Yeah. We love y'all. We love you. What's happening, FBC? I'm Marty, and this yeah. is. We were at FBC in. 2013 to 2016. A couple years ago. We live in uh, Elk Grove Village. That's a northwest suburb of Illinois. And as Pastor Matt and Crystal know, it's the best pizza <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> Matt can attest. Uh, Pastor Matt and Crystal, y'all are, have been a blessing to us and continue to be a blessing to us. Uh, during those years, we were under your uh, teaching and in the church. You taught us what true church family was. Uh, you taught us what it meant to be in the spirit. Um, and you've set a high caliber and a high bar. Uh, that's made us look for the same in every church we've uh, been at since. Yeah, and we honestly can't thank you enough for loving us from afar since we've been gone and teaching us that miles don't separate the bonds of brothers and sisters in Christ. You have been such a support to us in times that we've needed it and we truly, 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 truly love you guys. One more truly. Truly. Love you guys. Hi, Pastor Matt. Hi, Pastor Crystal. It's been nice to see you. Hi, my name is Mark Philip Rafael. Um, we just want to make a short video and tell you how much we love you guys and appreciate you and how much you are a family to me and Peter and Tom is a super now. Um, 
Yeah, I'm really glad this is the ministry. Okay. Hey, Pastor Matt, Pastor Crystal, this is uh, Darren and Nicole Stowe. We have uh, attended back in 2013, 2014, when we were just newlyweds. We just wanted to say thank you very much um, for being mentors in our life, um, for bringing the word and all that you do for the church. You know, you've been um, spiritual and godly examples to us on what it means to be a Christian, but also how to emulate that to our children. Um, you guys have prayed with us through difficult times, trying to conceive our first child. And we just really love you guys so much, and we miss you, and we just want to say thank you for everything. All right, we love you guys. Thank you. Hi, FBC. I'm Faith Gutunis, and Pastors Matt and Crystal are my parents. Um, I am just so grateful to not only have them as amazing parents, but as such outstanding pastors that just have helped me to grow so much, not just in my love for Christ, but really in my biblical knowledge of who He is and how He has saved me. I am just so thankful for my upbringing and just for how amazing both of my parents have been in my walk with Christ. So, Mom, Dad, um, just thank you so much for who you are and who you've been to me and to Gabe and just to our church. I love our church so much, and I am just so grateful. Happy Pastor Appreciation. You're kidding me. Uh, there's only two options. There's only on and off. I'm messing with the switch. I can't figure it out. Oh, why don't you guys come up, Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal. The video is, yeah. That video was so great. I was, I was really distracted first service because that was the first time I saw it. But it just shows the legacy that's been created in people who had been here in times past and how much uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal and this ministry has affected their lives and continues to affect their lives. And sometimes it's hard right in the moment uh, to see all that's going on because all that you see is right now. But to be able to kind of look back over the course of the last 18 years and see um, what has happened and how it's uh, affected is just is powerful. It's really awesome to look at. So we just thank you guys so much. I mean, we can't really say thank you enough um, for what you've uh, created and what you've let God do through you here at Faith and Victory Church. So why don't you just stretch your hand out. We'll just pray over them. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we're just eternally grateful for the shepherds that you've placed over, over us, Lord Jesus. Uh, we, we can't even put into words or imagine the sacrifice they've made um, and the effort they've put in, Lord, to just honor you and to serve us, Lord God. But I pray that as we go forward, Lord, we would be able to reflect on that and just show them some of the appreciation, Lord, um, that we have for them. Um, we just love them so much, Lord. We just thank you for this treasure and this gift that you've given us in your holy name. Amen. 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 Show them the flowers. How do they even do that? Talk about supply chain. Any color rose you want. Jeez, that's amazing. Amazing. Well, it's Senior Pastor Appreciation Day. It's exciting. 
Um, you know, I, I remember 18 years ago, maybe a little more now, I think it's close to 19, uh, when Shelly and I were sitting in uh, Fort Lewis apartments on the big blue wraparound couch when Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal asked us if we wanted to partner with them to plant Faith and Victory Church. And we didn't even uh, have to think about it. We just said yes. Uh, and they're like, well, don't you want to think about it? And we're like, no, we don't really need to because we had kind of seen this on them for a long time. And so uh, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Um, but we knew it was going to be good. So, you know, I mean, I mean, some of you just, this is what you know, you know, this building and this many people. But I remember when we were in an elementary school cafeteria, uh, calling in, uh, calling in favors from friends. So we had somebody to play the music yeah. <laughs> on the worship team. Hey, can you come down? We started a church unloading everything out of the maroon Dodge caravan into the church and out of the church every day. I mean, we still have some holdouts from the old days. We got the O'Neills. And where's James and Robin? Yeah, they were there in the old days, back in the day. Um, Kevin and Wendy Hudspeth were here first service. And, you know, it's interesting to me to think about how many people, I mean, all those original people have retained. And to me, that just shows like part in the church growth where you're big enough that you need a full-time pastor, but you're not big enough to actually pay for it. And so we were at that point, and we're just like, we knew this is what God's calling them to. And so I think it was December 1st of that year, of 2007, and we're like, let's do it. Leap of faith, you know? And, and the, the church just grew and was fruitful exponentially after that moment. After they made that commitment to just put everything on the Lord, it just really grew. Um, I remember there was this other time. And I can't remember exactly when it was, but I know we weren't very big. And I remember that Kevin Hutzbeth and I uh, were the elders, and Pastor Matt came to us, and there was another church in town, a church of probably like 250, that needed a pastor. And they had come to Pastor Matt and said they wanted him to be the pastor of the church. And so he came to us, and he's like, well, what are we going to do? And so, of course, my mindset was, okay, yeah, we could swallow up 250 more people in Faith and Victory. And would just be Faith and Victory Church. I was like, no, that's not what they had in mind. We had to dissolve Faith and Victory Church, and he would be the pastor of their church, and then we could all just go to that church. And so um, Kevin and I were both like, yeah, anything you need, we are with you 100%. We'll follow you anywhere, no problem. Um, but he turned the offer down. I mean, imagine this. Like you're in a church that's struggling just to make it. And now you have somebody who wants to hand you a full-time job and benefits, ready-made church, ready for you just to take over. And he said, no, that's not what God's called me to. God's called me to lead Faith and Victory Church. And all those steps along the way, all those leaps of faith, all those moments where um, their resolve was solidified has led us to this day where we're at right now. And it's a huge blessing because they obeyed. Uh, their hearts are focused on, not, not focused on what they can get from God, but how they can serve Him better. And, and praise God that they obeyed, because I've seen countless lives change. I mean, you saw in that video, uh, people's lives changed by being here in this community, in this culture that's been created, of just worshiping God and putting God first. Um, they've made FBC a treasure, and because of that, they've become a treasure to us. Um, I mean, I, I've preached on Pastor Appreciation Day before, and we've been friends for uh, since the beginning of time. And um, I don't think there's anything more I can say to tell you guys how, how you've affected my life. 
um, and what you've done for me. I can just tell you I wouldn't be here today. Um, we were, before Faith and Victory, we were going to this church, a great church, a wonderful church. But it was a big enough church where you could just come in and go sit down in, the, in your uh, um, identified section that you always go to every single time you come. You go to the same exact seat and sit there and just stand there and just worship. You know, it goes on and never have to interact with anybody or grow at all. And then being a part of this, I've been forced to just grow and change. And as the ministry grew and our relationship grew, it's just, um, it's hard to imagine uh, a life without you two. And so I'm just so thankful and appreciative of both of you and what you've done for me in my life and where I've been able to come with my relationship with the Lord because of it. They're a treasure to us and uh, because they've made the priority to preach the whole truth and the whole counsel of God. People need to hear the hard truth and not be placated. And above all, that has become a sweet aroma to us who are saved and a stern warning to those who are not. So many churches are making the mistake and probably, um, I guess it's about since the purple robes. Because basically for the general, they're like the king for the day. Like, this is the biggest thing ever. And in the processional, they have them and their chariots and all of their soldiers in victory and all of the plunder and all of the the prize taken from the battle. And then all the enemy captives as well are paraded through the city, through crowds of people, all cheering them on in, in their victory. And uh, it would be a long processional. And the smell would permeate through the whole city as they, as they went through. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, in the New Living Translation says, But thank God he has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphant processional. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Paul's using this word picture here to uh, relate that Christ is the victorious general coming in in this long parade of celebration of the victory and we get to be in this parade and like that incense that permeates the whole area that shows victory we get to spread the word of the gospel as that sweet aroma that is spread through the whole area now it's amazing how the word of god can change a life but you can't expect people just to figure it out on their own uh, that's a mistake out there, and I think, like I said, um, it's popular in in the church world to try to show people things, show people Christ, serve them, and just hope they figure it out after the fact that that's why you were doing it. Now, serving people is great. You should be doing that. Loving on people is great. We should all be doing that. It's, it's uh, a huge thing that we should be doing. It's very important. But people have to understand why you're doing it in, in, for, in order for it to give God glory and for him to be glorified. Otherwise, really, it's fleeting. Like, what good is it to go and serve people and love on people if they never understand that Jesus Christ is the reason why you have that love and why you give that service and make that sacrifice? That's why Pastor Matt preaches the way he does. You can't dance around the truth and try to be, P- be PC and hope that somebody catches it. You have to be straightforward and honest. And hope you notice that when you come here. We don't really beat around the bush. We don't try to say sweet things and have you go, wait a second, what was that talking about? It's like, no, right now, you know, right now, just a punch in the chest. <laughs> It's kind of like a wake-up call sometimes, though, right? Because, you know, it's easy to let things just kind of gloss over. Maybe already you're thinking about lunch and what Red Robin's got going. Do you know they sell pizza now? 
it, don't order it. it. It doesn't make any sense. Now you're thinking about that. But what I want you to think about is the gut punch of understanding how instrumental it is that the gospel can save and that Jesus died for you so that you could have eternal life. That should be a distraction from the plans you have for the rest of the day. As you leave here, that should be your post on social media. Like, man, I didn't realize how important the Bible was and how important Jesus was to my life. You should not be leaving here not understanding that. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad glad tidings of good things. For you to have salvation, you need to hear the word. And how are you going to hear the word if you don't have a pastor who's going to preach it? And how are you going to have a pastor who preaches it if you don't have a church who will support them and bring them that opportunity? Amen? Amen. It's great to love and serve people. Do it all the time. But you can't play the game of guess what I'm thinking with people and expect it to affect the kingdom. You want me to say that again? Okay. All right, because I wrote it down. (laughs) It's great to serve and love people, but it's important for them to know why you are serving and loving them because you can't play guess what I'm thinking with people and expect it to impact the kingdom. Second point, through Jesus, we smell like victory. Smell is the sense that's most clearly related to memory. Um, I know maybe you've had that uh, experience, you know, you see something, it reminds you of something else, or you hear a noise and it reminds you of something else, but smell is so ingrained in memory that you could just smell something and it will conjure up all sorts of things in your head. Anytime I smell gasoline, I always think of my Grandpa Bill. My Grandpa Bill. My Grandpa Bill was the kind of guy, World War II vet, he used to be fully dressed, sweater, dress shirt, slacks, but always wear coveralls over the top of it. <laughs> All the time. You know, like a lot of times, you know, you wear coveralls because you're trying to hide the fact that you're like in sweats and you don't really care. But he'd be fully dressed up, wearing coveralls. And he would uh, clean everything with gasoline. Everything. Auto parts, uh, shoes, it doesn't matter what it is. His hands, everything smelled like gasoline. Uh, you know these houses in Seattle, these hundred-year-old houses that have these damp, dark basements that they aren't even tall enough for you to stand up in. You just like walk through the basement like this. And I always remember that. It just smelled like gas all the time. And it always makes me think of him fondly, you know? I think of him rattling his teeth at us. He had false teeth because he, he was poor as a kid. They didn't have dental care, so he used to kind of pop them out and go, <laughs> at the grandkids. And I remember he's always sitting there in his wood rocking chair, and when you'd walk in, he'd just go, and you'd go shake Grandpa's hand. And, and then when you were a kid, of course, he squeezed real hard. But then as he got old and frail from the COPD, he couldn't squeeze your hand hard enough. But you'd go, oh, Grandpa, oh, that's enough. Oh. And he'd just grin with his beautiful pearly dentures, you know, it was beautiful. <laughs> but when some people smell gasoline, they have bad memories. It's a bad thing for them. But for me, it was good. For them, it was bad. And Paul uses this word picture of Christ being a big... Oh, no, I'm hopping down here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, 
For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are aroma of death leading to death. To the other, we are aroma of life leading to life. Now, this verse isn't talking about a fragrance or smell that smells differently to one person than it does to another. It's talking about the same smell. Something uh, that smells good uh, versus something that smells bad. Now, um, now don't feel weird, but how many people had COVID? A lot of people, yeah, a lot. It's okay to admit it because like 40 billion people on the planet have had COVID. It's a thing. It's lasted a long time. Now, last year I had COVID and who had problems with their sniffer when they had COVID? Yeah, a lot of people, right? So I lost my sense of smell for like two weeks. I was so depressed. I didn't want to eat anything. The worst was I couldn't smell my coffee. And I was like, man, it was the thought. I was physically depressed that I would not be able to smell my coffee again. I wasn't sure how I was going to move forward with it. Two weeks later, got my smell back. Everything's okay. But for some people, and I call it COVID nose, for some people, uh, they get their smell back, but things don't smell like they're supposed to. Things smell differently. Some people like that. Yeah. So my firefighter at work. Coffee now smells to him like burnt motor oil. His sniffer is broken and still. He, sells, he smells cigarettes all the time. His coffee smells like burnt motor oil. It's, ironically, he still drinks it every morning, so I'm not really sure what it tastes like. But it's awful. One thing smells good to him, it smells bad. But we're not really talking about something that smells good or bad. We're talking about the same smell that means something different depending on what side you're at. It's more like this. It's more like a house fire. Now, I can tell smoke from anything. I can tell if it's incense or cigarettes. I can tell if it's a campfire. I can tell if it's a wildland fire. And I can tell if it's a house fire. You can smell it. That smells like house fire. It's that combination of the tar and the roof and the paint and the, the acrylics and just the wood and everything put together. It smells like house fire. And you can tell it all the time. Now... To the young rookie firefighter, house fire smells like victory. You get to slay the dragon. You're excited about it. Tones go out. Hey, there's a fire. You could see him like a Labrador rolling down the window. (laughs) They're pumped. They've been waiting their whole lives for this moment. To open up the water, slay the dragon, victory. They come in the next morning and the whole station smells like house fire. And they're like, did you guys have a fire? Like, yeah, we had a fire. It was, oh, it was amazing. The whole thing was fully involved. Cars burning in the driveway. (laughs) It smells like victory and success. But you know who doesn't like that smell? The homeowner. To the homeowner, it's horrible. To the homeowner, that smell will forever remind them that they lost everything. And the tragedy, the biggest tragedy in their life is everything. And they smell that smoke and that's what they're going to remember. Complete loss. The incense was scattered all along the parade route uh, of the victorious Roman general. And it was received in one of two ways. For the captive enemy soldier who were being led on their way to the arena of death, it was dreadful smell of death and doom. It smelled like pain and loss. But for the victors, it was the smell of success, a reminder of worthy sacrifice and overcoming hardship. It was the smell of victory. 
For Christians, the sound of the gospel and the fragrance of Christ smells sweet. It reminds us of salvation and the promise of eternal life. When you're saved, when you hear the gospel, you get excited again. Maybe you were feeling depressed before, but you smell that sweet sense of the victory of Christ and like, yeah, that's right. Heaven, I'm excited about that. You come into church and you don't hear about the gospel. I remember I went to a Christmas service one time and I didn't hear the name of Jesus once. I had to go outside and look. Is there a cross on? Is this a church or is this a club? You come into church, you want to hear about Jesus. You want to hear about victory. You want to hear about how your soul is saved. You're excited about it. But if you're living a life of sin and you've rejected God, then it reminds you of your death. It reminds you that you're wrong. It's offensive. Christian believers that are excited about the gospel are offensive to you. It smells terrible. It smells like death. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of a smell that smells worse than death. I don't know if you've smelled death, but you could smell it from 100 yards away. It is terrible. And once you smell it, you will never forget it. And so the sweet smell of the gospel to you is the smell of death and bitterness to those who are perishing. And that's what these Bible verses are saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It doesn't make sense to them. I hear a lot of times when you talk to non-believers... They're like, well, why did God do it that way? Why not some other way? Wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier if? Wouldn't it just make more sense? Because the, the idea of what makes sense to man, it creates what makes sense to God just irrational. It doesn't make sense. The mind of God cannot be fathomed by the mind of man. And I look at it too, I'm like, why did it take thousands of years? I mean, right after Adam, you know, ate the apple and they were kicked out of the garden, right? Why couldn't God just say, okay, okay, okay. Clearly you cannot be successful in this. So I'm just going to go ahead and wash it all away. Just focus on me. Or you could see how the course of the Old Testament and the course of God's people for thousands of years has proven without a, without a doubt that we cannot do it on our own. There is no system, there's no sacrifice, there's no words, there's no leader that can bring you to a holy, holy God except for Jesus Christ. Now, I could explain to you that that's what it does, but you could say, well, why does it have to be that way? And I could say, I don't know. Honestly, the way my brain works is, who cares? That's just the way it is. But some people need to know why. Why? Because they can't fathom what God has created. It doesn't make sense. Christ is all-powerful but chose to die uh, to set us free. To live as Christ, to die as gain, to give up your life, to live for eternity. None of it seems to make sense. It seems like a big contradiction. But the martyr missionary Jim Elliott is most famous for his quote, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. 2 Corinthians chapter um, 4, verse 3 through 7. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is, a, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, uh, whose minds the gods of the age have blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can open the eyes of the blind. You, you just have to do your part and serve God where he's called you to serve and share the gospel. It's him who can open the eyes of the blind. So you don't feel defeated when the people around you don't seem to get it. You just got to do your part. Listen, here's the deal. If God's going to get the victory when they get saved, then God also gets the defeat if they don't want to come to them. You don't own that. Why, why are you taking it so hard that they don't want to accept Jesus in their life? You're not going to get the victory if, if they do come to the cross. God does. Let God sort it out. You do your part. You do your part and you'll be good. The third point is this. Faithfulness is the goal. The victory is the Lord's. Because the results are on Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. And who is sufficient for these things? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word for God, of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Have you ever... Uh, sometimes, I daydream sometimes. It's kind of fun. Sometimes what I daydream about is if I won the lottery. Now, my chances of winning the lottery are pretty slim since I don't even play the lottery. <laughs> But still, I used to say, like, if you won a million dollars, what would you do with a million dollars if you won it? I'm like, I don't know, start a 401k, maybe retire a couple years early. A million dollars isn't a lot of money. <laughs> like, I don't know, pay off my house, do some car, car maintenance. It, nowadays, you got to say, like, well, what happens if you won $10 million or $100 million? What would you do with it? And, and uh, there's a lot of cool things you could do with money. But, but some of it I just don't get, right? So some people would say, well, if I had that kind of money, I'd buy a, a McLaren or, or, you know, Bentley or whatever. I'm like, why? I mean, are they easy to park? They get good gas mileage? Why would you want that? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, like, I would get a nice car. Like, maybe like a Range Rover or something. You know, something comfortable, leather seats, you know, maybe a Tesla. They make good cars, right? I've heard, you know. Maybe I get something like that. I'm not saying I would just continue to drive my Prius. I mean, I might for a couple years. It does get good gas mileage. <laughs> Probably quit my job. But I don't understand these huge purchases. I, I heard a Vander Holyfield bought a mansion that was like worth $100 million. It cost like a million dollars a year to operate. He had like 100 people. I don't know, some crazy. He had a staff in like a million rooms. I'm, why? I don't understand. I mean, especially when you get punched in the face for a living. It seems like, what's your career longevity? But, but nonetheless, I, I don't get it. I don't know why people would spend so much money on things that don't really matter. But we're in a season of celebrities. Now, I'm not, I'm not a real celebrity guy. Like For celebrities, what I like is people who have done something with their life. That kind of celebrity is interesting to me. Like When we were uh, young and lived in Georgia, we got to meet um, Jimmy Carter. It's kind of cool, right? Like He used to be president of the United States. And after he was president of the United States, he started building houses for, uh, homes, for uh, home humanity. Homes for Habitat, like building houses and like he tried to negotiate world peace and all sorts of crazy stuff that is just like, that's a life of meaning, man. And he still goes back and was, we, we caught him because uh, he still ta uh, taught um, uh, Sunday school at church. Like you, you, like you could meet him if you went to Sunday school and then had to sit through the service. So whenever he was in town, the service was like 300 people. <laughs> I think it was like 10 people when he wasn't in town. 
But I don't understand the celebrity. So uh, one big trend that we see a lot nowadays or in, the, in recent years is celebrity pastors. Celebrity pastors, which is, is weird to me. It's kind of a contradiction. But, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, people like Billy Graham could be in the category of celebrity pastor, right? I mean, they're a pastor and you know them. I guess he was more of an evangelist. But I think about that. And so sometimes people will bring, oh, you know, so-and-so oh, so and so and oh, so-and-so. I'm like, nah, man, I really don't. Like, none of that's that interesting to me. But we have this whole trend of celebrity pastors and they make a lot of money. But it's not surprising, really, because of our culture of idolatry. But there's dozens of pastors leading congregations in the tens of thousands and authoring many books and headlining conferences, and their churches are full of celebrities. It's actually uh, pretty common. There's dozens of them out there. Now, I don't begrudge someone who can make good money by being amazing at their job. Go for it. If you can be super amazing at what you do and make a lot of money doing it, I'm okay with that. Just tithe. I don't question the salvation of these people. I don't presume to know their motives. I'm sure they're great people. But with this massive wealth that they've created, it just creates some questions in my mind. Um, I think uh, with all of them having multi-million dollar mega mansions, how much house does one family need? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm looking at downsizing. I don't, want a, I don't want a bigger house. It's just more to clean and take care of. And then I've got to buy more stuff to fill it up. Why would you need a $16,000 square foot, $10 million house on a hillside in Los Angeles? Why? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense why you would need that or want to spend your money on that. Is a private jet really necessary? I mean, how many trips are you making anyway? You've got to have a jet. A $2 million jet just, what, sitting in the garage? I don't know. How much does it cost to maintain that thing? Why wouldn't you just fly first class? Why not, right? I mean, we've all seen first class, right? As they parade you through it. Those people are already sitting there with their drinks and food. And you're like walking through to your seats. You want to be a baller, just buy out the whole row. Set your coat over here, your hat over here. It's like, ah. That's not enough. You can't just buy out a whole roll to first class on a regular commercial jet. I don't... And, and how far, I mean, where are you going? You, you know, who's watching your congregation when you're jet-setting all over the world? I mean, gone 20, 30 weeks out of the year. Who's taking care of the flock? But you were a pastor. What are we doing here? Those are, like I said, I'm not questioning their motives. I'm just saying, like, what are we doing here? Is this for your gain or benefit, or is this for the benefit of the kingdom? I mean, is God getting the glory out of all this with your $10 million house? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Honestly, it's a question we should all be asking ourselves. Now, I don't got a $10 million house, but when I think about the treasure that I have, is it for the glory of God or is it for the glory of myself? I mean, those pastors, they're just regular people, right? They're just regular people who are really good at what they do. And if we have that question about them, we should be asking that question about ourselves. Is God getting the glory or, or, or are we doing this for our own gain? When these verses say, In Christ we speak before God with sincerity and those, uh, as those sent from God, I think of Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal. Words with sincerity. They've been placed over this ministry. They operate with sincerity with the goal of honoring God above all things. One huge difference that I notice at Faith and Victory Church is the word is preached without restraint. The goal is clearly to use this opportunity to save souls, not to gain a following. 
Listen, what, how do we gain a following when you come in the door and it's a gut punch of like, you need to get saved right now or you're going to hell? We don't have a coffee stand. There's all ways we could spend money around here. We could have some big children's ministry with like a jungle gym and like Disney characters. Man, I, this last week I was at a hotel that had the most amazing latte coffee machine thing. Like you just push a button. It was making everything from macchiatos to lattes. I'm like, I don't even know how it did it. Just like a big robot. We could have one of those. Why not? But coffee, the good coffee around here is not going to draw people into Christ. So why are we going to waste money on it? Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't spend money around here unless it's going to be something that draws people into Christ. We don't, we don't, we, you know, we tried the harvest party a few times. It didn't produce fruit. People didn't get saved because of it. We did the Easter thing, which was so awesome for so many years. But we noticed after a length of time, you got 1,500 people coming to an Easter egg event and like three people coming to church and no one getting saved. We say, okay, it was great, but, but that's not where we want to spend our money. That's what we do here. You know, we got to make sure that what we're doing is glorifying and honoring God. If we wanted people to come and stay and fill the thing, we wouldn't be preaching such a hard truth to you. Ironically, though, that's why people come and they do stay. They're like, oh, it was so tough. I was cut to the core. I'll see you next Sunday. We do offering and we're like, hey, we don't want your money. You're unsaved, you know, save your money. We don't care. Hey, you unreconciled? Yeah, go get your relationships right. Whatever. God will take care of it. That's not the way to build a following and raise funds. There's been other churches that have been like, oh, Pastor Matt, you can't say that. It's like, I don't know. It's been working for 18 years. I don't know. Our best year yet was during COVID with an economic downturn. Apparently, God can still take care of his church. We're buying up houses next thing you know. We're going to own the whole block, build some big sanctuary. All of Auburn's going to get saved. We're still the same old sad chrome thermos of coffee over there in the AMC. We'll have two of them, though, because, you know, volume. Acts chapter 20, verse 26 through 27 says, that, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm pretty sure this is Pastor Matt's favorite verse. And if you've been on the roller coaster ride with Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal like we have, you'll see there's been every manner of trying to love people and have relationships and, and then worry about you know what's going to happen and dance around their fragility and their offense and when it really comes down to it at the end of the day they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to say your blood is not on them because they did not shy away from declaring the whole counsel of God your fate's going to be on you they did their job you do your job here the word is preached with integrity and in obedience to the Lord Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal are a treasure and a great example to follow. This is what de dedicating your life to the call of ministry looks like. It's an example for all of us. We can all be a treasure to God if we would just obey Him and His calling on our life, just like we see Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal doing. So if your life is not dedicated to Christ, now's the time to make that commitment. 
No better time, no better place, as we say. I mean, you've heard about the gospel. You've heard Jesus Christ is the Savior of your soul. There's no way to get to heaven except through him. If you've gained anything by attending FBC, it should be the need for the gospel and giving your life to Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 39 says, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let everyone uh, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, and as many as the Lord God will call. He's calling you today. Why don't you bow your heads with me? He's calling you today. That stirring in your heart is the Holy Spirit calling you, saying, give your life to Jesus Christ today. Repent of your sins. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Come back to church. We'll walk through this life together. Amen. If that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time today, I want you to raise your hand so we can partner with you. And we'll live this life together. Victorious life. It smells so sweet. That's you. Raise your hand today. I want to pray with you. Now, if you're in this, if you're here today and you have forgot, you had forgotten what the Lord Jesus Christ was about, and you need a reminder. I hope this is a reminder to you to get your life right, square away, be that sweet aroma for the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Be glorified in this place, God. Let us be changed by this. We thank you for your Word and the presence of your Spirit. In your holy name, Lord. Amen. Is Kevin here? Me. Oh, go ahead. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch 